0: episode 006 of the Energy Edge podcast. Hi, this is Lee Cockrell, former executive vice president of operations for the Walt Disney World Resort. And if you're interested in increasing your energy, I highly recommend the Energy Edge podcast.
1: I did a workshop where a woman in the front row said, Terry, don't you think it's completely unrealistic to spend eight hours of your day sleeping.
0: Welcome to the Energy Edge Podcast, where we believe if you desire to get the absolute most out of your work and life, then finding your Energy Edge is a must. The Energy Edge Podcast will help you learn to leverage your everyday major activities into an energy advantage so you can work and live at an optimal level. So let's begin. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast. I'm excited for our interview today with Terry Crawley. I met Terry when I was hosting the Successful Entrepreneur Online Conference 2016 this past fall. And she was, to be honest with you, she was one of my favorite interviews because she had this rare combination of both fun and knowledge. And I'd read her book and I still left the interview motivated to have a better night's sleep that specific night. I'm gonna ask Terry some of the following. Is sleep really that important? Does it really matter what time we go to sleep? does caffeine affect our sleep, and much, much more, and it's go time. I'm here right now with Terry Crawley. Terry is co-founder of a four-bed sleep disorder center in Virginia and a nationally recognized sleep health consultant, educator, and advocate. Our work in the field of sleep medicine is arranged from patient care to clinical research and continuing education for nurses. Terry is a certified clinical sleep educator and the co-author to a brilliant book called Sleeping Your Way to the Top. Terry, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Brian. Thanks for having me today.
0: Absolutely thrilled you are here. So where, literally, where in the world are you right now?
1: I am right outside of Washington, D.C. right now, and it's a little cold. And um, not quite ready for the cold weather, but I guess it's. I better get ready.
0: But good sleeping weather.
1: Absolutely.
0: Nice, Absolutely. nice yeah. segue. So, what is maybe one line that you hear the most about sleep being in your profession?
1: Oh, Brian, I hear all kinds of things that really drive me crazy um, and keep me up at night. <laughs> but you know nice. what's interesting? Since the last time we talked, I did a workshop. Where a woman in the front row said, Terry, don't you think it's completely unrealistic to spend eight hours of your day sleeping? Wow. And, yeah, yeah. And I mean that attitude, it's, you know, it's just an interesting attitude that I can't get in my head around. And obviously my point of reference, you know, from being in sleep medicine for so long, is, you know, trying to communicate how important it is. To, to the quality of those waking hours to get that sleep that you need. Those waking hours will be better, and sometimes it's a hard sell.
0: I can only imagine, and you're leading to exactly what I'm looking forward to diving into this conversation, because I'm sure many of us have maybe some of those feelings, and so I'm looking forward to you kind of, kind of hitting us with the real, real information. So first of all, and I have to tell you your book is one of my favorite books right now and I recommend it more than any other book and in fact I snagged the title for my 10 secrets to getting better sleep PDF guide as a result of it and I just I love some of your creative titles that you have uh, in the book and uh, you know for example trumping sleep which uh, you know little did you know you know he'd be present at the time after you had written this book <laughs> um, I, I mean some of them that like not now I'm tired um, you are what you sleep uh, get a room sleep envy I'm good in bed, sleep, drugs, and rock and roll. So I just, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about the book, but I just wanted you to know just how much I really, really enjoyed the book.
1: We appreciate that, Brian. It was a a labor of love and uh, it was a a fascinating endeavor.
0: Well, let's dive into some of the questions here. Are you ready? I'm ready. So in your book, you mentioned each year we work more and sleep less. Can you give us a little bit more color on that statement?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a combination of um, some bad attitudes about sleep, (laughs) longer work hours, long commutes, and then we've got the electronic devices that really have encroached upon, I mean, all aspects of our lives, but on our sleep time um, primarily. And these things are affecting our sleep time and really affecting our lives. So I think it's a stopping point, you know, that we, a place where we need to stop and say, what is going on here? What is going to happen to us if we continue down this path of not getting the sleep we need to, to function? And, you know, there's, there's health repercussions, there's cognitive repercussions. So I think we need to take a good hard look at what we're doing to sleep and what it's doing to us if we're not getting that. And, um, look at this from a really um, serious public health problem. The CDC has come out to say that more than a third of us are not getting the sleep we need um, on a regular basis. And that's a scary statistic, Brian. Um, It should all give us pause. You know, we really have to stop and think, what is this going to do to us? What is it, what has it done to us?
0: So then what is some of the science behind the importance of sleep? Obviously we're not getting enough sleep and we'll talk in a couple questions questions from now, you know, does it matter what time we go to sleep and the length of time, but what's some of the science that really affects us uh, if we're not sleeping and why it's so important?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, it's amazing research out there now. It's fascinating research. You know, um, sleep medicine is a relatively new discipline only been around about 60 years or so. So it's exciting in that sense because there's new research coming out all the time, but we're finding out just how important it is to us. A lot of things are going on in our minds and our bodies. When we sleep, it's not just sort of a time when we're down, not not where nothing's happening. I think maybe that's what we used to think um, a long time ago. So anyway, there's a lot of things going on in our brain. Um, Some of the research indicates that it's actually clearing out some waste products and toxins in the brain when we sleep. Um, There's hormones going, you know, a lot of hormonal activity going on when we sleep, um, repair. And so I think almost, you know, uh, on a regular basis, we're getting new and exciting information just about how important sleep is.
0: And you mentioned in the book a little bit about that it actually affects our, our moral decisions and our ethical behavior. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes. I mean, it goes so far beyond, you know, our physical health. Um, our mental health is tightly wrapped up in sleep. And I think so many aspects of our personality and our, you know, just, yes, just as you pointed out, our ethic ethics are affected, morals, our relationships are affected, Outlook um, is is affected. You know, I love the connection between sufficient sleep and resilience. And a really interesting quote I ran across a couple months ago, um, and I'm I'm not sure who to attribute this to, but they said, "Sleep is Kevlar of the for the mind." So you think of Kevlar for the mind? I mean, that's so amazing. I mean, how sleep can just make you look at things. Differently, you can be more optimistic if you're well rested. Um, Just have general well-being, happier, less less moody, more self-regulation, more self-control. You're more coordinated when you're well rested. You have better judgment. You tend to make better decisions. You tend to have better problem-solving skills. You're more creative. You learn better. You know, think of those things and how they affect our waking hours. I think just connecting sufficient sleep to the quality of waking hours, the quality of our life, and, you know, everything we can achieve and our full potential is affected by sleep.
0: You know, and that's fascinating too, because, you know, I'm assuming a lot of us are not very accurate judges of how tired we are on a consistent basis. Is, Is that accurate?
1: That's a great point because so many of us and so many of the sleep deprived people that I've worked with just lose their point of reference or they say, well, gosh, Terry, I'm in my forties now, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be tired or what, what else can I expect? Or, or they're saying, you know, I'm doing just fine. And I'm looking at someone across the conference table with, you know, their eyes half closed and, acting a little loopy and I'm thinking no you're not doing fine (laughs) but you you think you're doing fine and that's the funny thing about sleep deprivation it leaves you with no real insight into how impaired you may be Um, whereas maybe someone who has had too much to drink they can see it sometimes more clearly They can see their impairments or they can say oh i'm stumbling better not drive or i started slurring my words there's a little bit insight there whereas sleep deprived people may not see it they're used to it they've acclimated it to it um so it's just not self-apparent but it's often apparent in other people and people around them they'll say gosh you're irritable What's happened to you, you know, your mood isn't what it should be or used to be. So, you know, there's some funny things tied into it where sometimes we're just not good judges of how we're feeling and how we're sleeping.
0: And that's a great example. I mean, comparing it to somebody who's drinking and a lot of times you've got other people around you and it's maybe more of an isolated situation versus somebody who is sleep deprived. Obviously, it's a very personal thing, something that only we can do. And if we've been doing it, like you said, for a long period of time of being sleep-deprived, we may not know the difference because it's kind of been the new normal. So what is the correlation then between optimal performance and sleep, considering that we're really not good judges of whether we're tired or not? So can you talk about the, the correlation between the two, performance and sleep?
1: Yeah, you know, and I think people fail to realize that given all the benefits that the research has shown us, pretty clearly all these incredible benefits of sleep. But, you know, there, people think, well, I'm, I'm doing okay, and I'm getting enough, or I don't have time. And see, there's a constant battle, Brian, with the time spent sleeping. You know, people think, well, if I want to perform optimally, do my best, achieve the most, feel the best, um, you know, just, just, live the best life possible. I need the most hours possible. And I tell you, I, I mean, I've been sort of fighting this for 20 years, this argument that it's not the quantity of hours awake. It's the quality of your hours awake. And I recently ran across a wonderful article by a written by a man who has owns three multimillion dollar companies. And he says he gets 9.25 hours of sleep night. And wow. he says, with that sleep, and it, I mean, it was a fascinating and a beautiful illustration of, you know, he gets through his emails quicker. He thinks more clearly. He makes better decisions. It takes him, you know, less time to make a decision or to weigh options, you know, and this is what I see when I work with people who, you know, didn't get enough sleep and who whether it's just something where they decide you know voluntarily didn't get sleep or they had a sleep disorder that was treated and are finally getting enough sleep there's a huge and and often very dramatic effect um, that people do see in the quality of their waking hours and i rarely see people go back to saying you know once they've had those better quality waking hours very few people go back and say, I'm going to skimp on sleep again, or I won't take my sleep as seriously and, and go back and just try to get the most waking hours. It's not about the most waking hours. It's about the best waking hours. And as simple as that sounds, when I talk to you about it, it's a very difficult concept. And I think because in our culture, we have on Several different levels equated with sufficient sleep with being lazy, maybe not having a great work ethic, or just not being a person who hustles and wants to climb the corporate ladder, ladder or do the best that they can do. I mean, there's a lot of things mixed in with our mindset about sleep that we have to really get rid of and leave that behind and approach it in a different fashion now.
0: And you gave some great examples. I'm a big sports fan. And I love, Terry, the examples you guys gave in the book that were just talking about sleep, whether it was from certain athletes like Tom Brady and how much he sleeps per night to I gave a great example of, of the Boston Bruins who had hired this one doctor that was, um, and correct me if I'm wrong on the details, but it was like 2011 Stanley Cup, and the Bruins hadn't won in over 30 plus years, almost 40. And they brought him in to do what? And what was the result?
1: Oh, my gosh, Brian, this is a really one of our favorite stories. The doctor is Charles Seisler, and he is a rock star in the sleep medicine world. I mean, a true hero, but he has done so much um, in the field, and he's amazing. He works with um, not only patients, but he works with the sports teams and many other groups um, to, to get the message across about the importance of sleep, And there was a time change involved with this game. And I think a coach called him at at last minute saying, help us, help us. And, you know, he very clearly and plainly just said, you know, don't do the morning practice, let, let the team sleep. And I think, and I think it still is sort of, you know, met with a little bit of resistance and a little bit of what are you talking about from not only from coaches, but from a lot of us. And he just said let them sleep i mean sleep is such a performance enhancer and of course that led to them winning the game and i think people i mean the research oh my gosh um, lots of great research done at stanford um, on this very topic you know extending the sleep times of these athletes is enhancing their performance and i think it's been sort of an old school thing this is the way we've always done it we've had these early morning practices Um, You know, we we don't really pay attention to time changes. And Dr. Seisler, I think, has been instrumental in saying, let's just rethink this whole thing and rethink the way we look at sleep and now really view it as the performance enhancer that it is. And um, it may sound simple, but it's quite effective.
0: And and I love that because well, obviously being a sports fan, but I mean you gave other examples of of different athletes from a Tom Brady to and in your chapter Sleeping with the Stars to Jennifer Lopez to Jeff Bezos of Amazon, Ariana Huffington of the Huffington Post, of just if these individuals who we look up to for being high performers take that much of a stance on the importance of sleep, why wouldn't we? So does it really matter what time we go to sleep each night and how long we sleep? I mean, does it really matter here, Terry?
1: Well, you know, Brian, it depends on the person. And there are several different um, chronotypes. You know, some people are more morning larks, some are more night owls. And we have people sort of in the middle on those ranges. But I think the research has shown us recently that it's very important to get consistency and to find that sweet spot. Everyone has, there's some variation. Not everyone needs nine and a half hours. Um, most adults need seven to nine hours. That's the majority of the population. And there are short sleepers. They need maybe about, I mean, that, and they constitute 3% of the population. And they have a genetic variant that, lets them get short sleep and do fine. And of course, those people shake out at the top. But to answer your question, there's no set, you know, bedtime, wake time, it it, it depends. But it's ideal, you know, you want to get that consistency and you want to find a bedtime that works for you, that works with, that gives you enough time to get the sleep you need. And There's a little bit of a trap that a lot of people fall into at bedtime, and it's called bedtime procrastination. We have too many distractions, Brian. You know, we've got Netflix, and we've got our electronic devices, and we can surf the internet, and all these things are stimulating, they're interesting, they're entertaining, and these really can pull us um, away from our bedtime. And what I love on the new iPhones is the bedtime alarm. And I use it religiously. I have I that bed because I'm working on another book with Dr. Brown again, and we're <laughs> I'll get engrossed in a chapter. And I love the alarm to go off and say, well, time to close everything down. It's time to go to bed. Um, and obviously there are going to be some deviations from a consistent bedtime schedule, but I really do try to maintain that. And I advise people to do that because I think our bodies really do like the consistency Um, most of us, you know, like, like, uh, uh, some structure and some scheduling, whether you're an adult or a child. So I think it's good to stay within the framework and just make sure your bed and wake time get, allow you sufficient sleep, which should fall in the seven to nine hour range.
0: So how does caffeine affect our sleep?
1: Well, this is a hot issue just because I think our culture of today's culture I mean we're so um (laughs) it's very caffeine centric I think as as I drove by the Starbucks the other day and it was close to dinner time I, I was going to the FedEx store right next to Starbucks and you know we're talking close to dinner time and it's packed and people are getting caffeinated beverages late in the day and obviously some people work at night and have a non-traditional schedules, but I'm just talking that as a culture, I think we're relying on caffeine too heavily to try to make up for some of the sleep debt we're accruing and the lack of sleep and to deal uh, Say with that, that again.
0: That is, that is a great point.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're looking at caffeine to mitigate our sleep deprivation and, and our lack of sleep and our um, sometimes just, bad attitude about sleep and it won't do that it will caffeine will not replace a good night's sleep it just can't and it won't give you the performance improvements that ultimately sleep can and yeah it's a great stopgap measure um you know we some people need it in the morning but you know drinking it throughout the day it, it can be a real problematic thing it's going to interfere with your sleep at night, you can build up a tolerance. So I think people can um, would be smart to, you know, as they're sort of real reassessing their energy issues, their healthy lifestyle issues, to really stop and look at the how much caffeine they're consuming throughout the day, what the hours are um, that they're consuming. And you know, then they realize I have so many people telling me they have a hard time falling asleep at night at their scheduled bedtime. Well, you know, then I find out they've had coffee right before dinner or or late in the day, and I'm it. You know, yeah, it's going to be hard to fall asleep at bedtime when you've had coffee, caffeine late, and um, because it stays in your system a long time.
0: So, is there a, maybe just a certain ish time of cutoff to not have caffeine in our system that would uh, would allow us not to affect our sleep?
1: You know, I think people should look for like after, um, you know lunchtime. I think some of the issues with being tired in the afternoon should be reassessed in terms of, do I just need more to be better hydrated? You know, sometimes water can sort of uh, be, you know, have, have, you know, increase your water intake.
0: Also a better meal. I mean, if sometimes we just eat a lousy meal for lunch or not eat it at all and we have an energy crash and then therefore we got to pop some caffeine or, you know, a five hour energy drink or whatever.
1: Exactly, and Brian, you bring up a great point, because if you're sleep-deprived, if you're not getting the sleep you need on a consistent basis, your food choices during the day are going to be pretty crappy. Um, we've got ghrelin and leptin hormone hormones that are going to be thrown out of whack when we don't get sufficient sleep, and we will, as a result, crave high sugar foods, high fat foods. We're just not going to make healthy food choices, so sufficient sleep really factors into our healthy dieting and and weight management issues that we have to, that's why we have to really think about sleep when we think about all of those aspects. So yeah, we're going to eat better. If we get enough sleep, we're probably not going to need caffeine late in the day after lunch um, or, or late morning if if we're doing things right.
0: So here's the money question. Obviously, Terry, you and I are in the same mindset that sleep does affect our energy, and if we want an energy edge that we're going to leverage our everyday major activities, sleep, nutrition, fitness, and obviously sleep sometimes is the catalyst of that. So how can we gain more energy itself through more sleep?
1: Well, that's just the thing. What what happens is when you get sufficient sleep, you're going to, I mean, you're naturally going to have more energy throughout the day—that that's a given. But along with that increased energy level, I mean, this wonderful sort of um, domino effect happens. You you wake up feeling better, brighter, more motivated, um, a good outlet look, and you're going to make healthy food choices, right? You're going to have a healthy breakfast and, and feel good. But you're going to that energy not only is sustaining, but it also takes you to the gym. It want you know, you take your dog for a longer walk. You go, you do more. And when you do that and, and you, all these things occur, then you sleep better the next night. I mean, it's so, ironic
0: how that works, huh? It's cyclical.
1: I, <laughs> it is. And, and so people sort of get, you know, well, okay, where do I start? How do I implement this? What's, and I tell people the best thing you can do if you want more energy, we all want more energy, and that's why I, I love all the work you're doing in this field. I mean, it's the ticket to <laughs> to a better life and, and better quality of life, and, and achieving more, and really reaching our full potential. So to start, start with sufficient sleep. You know, don't don't try to hit the gym if you, if you're tired or or you're just not functioning at your peak. Start get the sleep thing down. Get get and get plenty of sleep at night turn off the electronics an hour before bedtime get to bed on time don't be distracted don't stay up late you know really it's a make, make that decision that you want to have a better life and i mean it's a really it's it's small thing to have to do but when you get that sleep you'll see this unbelievable chain of events that leads to incredible energy and change in your life that happens in a very short time frame. So start with the sleep and then do the activities that that follow that you'll have the, you know, that you'll want to do. And then the the sleep keeps improving. And as the sleep quality improves, the daytime energy increases and improves. So it's a wonderful thing. And once it is in place, it'll likely stay in place.
0: I love it, Terry. And uh, I could not agree more. So what is a closing thought you could leave us today?
1: Well, you know, Brian, I just want people to have an open mind. It's, um, I know it. I can make it sound simple to tell people to get their sleep, but I get a lot of pushback, which I think is um, interesting. I'm not sure why. I think it's sort of, you know, well, it's always the way it's been, or this is how I view sleep. But for 2017, for people that really want to make energy, um, you know, improve their energy levels and make that um, a, a really important aspect of their lives, to really give sleep a chance. I mean, give it the time, make time for it, start with it, schedule your day around it, and see how much better things can get. So I guess just... Keep an open mind and give it a try. And I think people will be pleasantly surprised to see how easy it is and how much better they'll feel.
0: Excellent. Terry Crawley here, co-author of the book, Sleeping Your Way to the Top. I could not recommend it more. It'll be in the show notes for you to get a copy as well. And uh, Terry, hopefully you'll allow me to have you as a consistent guest on the show.
1: Oh, I'd love that, Brian. Thank you so much.
0: Hey, And thanks for uh, not uh, oversleeping and uh, making the interview. appreciate that. Anytime.
2: Take care, my friend. Bye. We believe sleep is foundational to develop an energy edge. It's challenging enough to be productive and creative, especially when you're tired or even exhausted. But what if you had a quick guide to give you a jumpstart, something to point you in the right direction? That's the exact reason for the sleep guide called Sleep Your Way to the Top. 10 Secrets to Getting Better Sleep. To download your free copy, visit www.energyedgepodcast.com. That was www.energyedgepodcast.com. You can also find the link in the show notes. Now back to the podcast. What a great interview. Thank you so much, Terry Crawley. I think we could have heard from her for hours.
0: You know, and it wouldn't have put me to sleep.
2: Yeah, no pun intended, right?
0: Maybe all pun intended.
2: But I would highly recommend her book. I I would get it. I think it's a great book. So this is the point in the podcast where we do a quick summary of the interview that was just broadcast. And what we call the interview breakdown, which will lead us to what now or the takeaways. Because Brian and I are big believers of one thing at a time. So we want to give you a few practical tips to get your energy edge on.
0: So Treva, from the interview, what what was the biggest takeaway or an aha moment you had listening to Terry Crawley?
2: Yeah, I I loved it. It was was hard because there were so many different things to talk about, right? But I would say the cascading effect or the chain of events, both positive and negative about sleep. So she talked about when we get sleep, then we have more energy, then we're making better decisions and we're making better food choices. And then- you know, uh, wow, we have more energy to exercise, right? And then we end up getting a better night's sleep because we're tired. So I love that positive cascading effect, but there was also the negative, right? So we don't make very good decisions. We end up with maybe some relational issues and not good food choices. And then we end up doing the caffeine and then, you know, it's just, it's this cascading effect. So I love when she said, just give sleep a chance.
0: And you're exactly right. If we cascade the wrong way, it could put us into the exhaustion cycle, which is episode 003. And if we do it the right way, it puts us in the energy cycle, episode 005. Triva, my biggest takeaway or aha moment was just how very few people who see benefits of sleep rarely go back to being sleep deprived. How simple yet revolutionary that's because most of us never even get to the point where we see the true benefits. But if we do... And when we do, we'll choose never to go back to being sleep deprived again.
2: Absolutely. And if, and if they haven't heard about the green pill, I would go back and listen to an, a podcast and understand what the pill that we're talking about. It's great.
0: So let's move on to the what now from the interview. Number one is this. Make your sleep consistent. And I love how Terry Crawley mentioned that she's not diehard on exactly what time you need to go to sleep or even wake up, but to start having a consistent bedtime and schedule around it. I absolutely love that. And I just couldn't agree more.
2: Yeah. And I would say the second one um, is caffeine. So let's back up caffeine a little bit. And again, Brian, right? We're about one thing at a time. So if you can start with, she didn't say not to have caffeine because that's the big debate now, right? So if you just start with not having it, in the late afternoon around dinner time, from dinner time on. Start with that. Once you accomplish that, then back it up and stop after noon. So do that first around dinner time and then back up and then stop after your caffeine intake after noon.
0: Well, that wraps up episode 006, and we thank Terry Crawley for joining us. Go buy her book, Definitely Not a Sleeper, if you know what I mean. A preview for episode 007 is the secret shame of high-performing professionals. So are you curious what that secret shame is? Well, it's not what you may think, so listen in and find out. Thanks for making it to this point in the episode. We're going to try and do better next time. Go and get your energy edge on.